turn to number 41 in our red praise. His name is wonderful. in our bulletin, Jesus Messiah. Is in 
Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from Messiah, Lord of all, Jesus Messiah, the Lord of all, Jesus Messiah. Christmas, everybody. Let's cl open with our opening hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful, Purple Hymnal, number 234. And this is in honor of the birthday of Jesus. We will sing verses 1 and 3. We all stand for Jesus' birthday, this hymn dedication. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and be
quantity, but we're high in quality. And we just want to welcome all those. And, and Robin, before you get all the way back to the church, can you kind of give us a little idea on all the outlets that we're on, not only television and radio, but YouTube and other means of communication that, are, that we're reaching out? Um, Robin is our, our techie, and she kind of keeps everything going and rolling behind the scenes here. So and we were helping her assemble and set up um, last night. So, Robin. Morning, brothers Morning. and sisters. We are on multiple outlets. Our outlets are YouTube, Olivet Church of Robbinsdale, BitChute, Robin Larson 2000, GitTube, Robin Space Larson, Getter, Robs 2000. In fact, we just reached over 100 followers as of last night and our BitChute, our GitTube, and we have a um, podcast, which is Oliver Church of Robbinsdale, one word, Minnesota. We are also on Truth Social, which is Robs2763. We are also on Telegram, which is Oliver Church of Robbinsdale, space each letter, I mean space the words. And I want to do a huge thank you to our online audience our YouTube, our BitChute, our GitTube, all of you guys on social media, you guys are the backbone of this church, and you guys make it happen. And we want to thank you for your time and for your willing to listen to our services around the world. And we want to thank you, all of you. And our BitChute and GitTube, couple, a few of our videos we have reached over the 200 mark, and we want to thank you. If you're the underground church, we thank you. Everyone else, we thank you, and we love you all. Thank you, Robin. Let's give Robin a round of applause for her tremendous behind-the-scenes work there. He helped her set up yesterday, and it's really a monumental job. We have a number of people that are gone, and... Gary and Kathy have really been instrumental, in, and we pray for their safe travels as they travel to, to visit their children. And, and it's a great honor to have Howard back with us, and we just really thank the fact that Robin's mother is with us. Debbie is it's fine to have her, and again, we welcome you and Chris. And, and it's a real joy for, for me to have Joy here, our eldest daughter, Joy. We welcome you, Joy. And, and Elsie, Elsie's here, and Teddy is saying hello. Is Teddy talking right now? Elsie, is Teddy saying something? You know what Teddy's saying? Yep. Yep, okay. Well, again, we want to welcome all those by way of television and radio and YouTube, and we thank God for your presence, and we thank God as we worship Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season, and we wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we just want to thank you for the tremendous outreach. We gather together in the name of the Jesus Christ, members of God's family and brothers and sisters in one another. There are no outsiders here among us, no one who has any special standing or bragging rights, for we have been brought together by the redeeming love of Jesus. And as we join together in worship, we, we thank you for the Merry Christmas and the Happy New Year in this time of the year that brings a, a sense of childlike innocence into our lives because it was the birth of Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God that was broken and bruised and according to Isaiah 53, by his stripes we were healed. And we pray for healing for those that are listening this morning that need a sense of healing. We, we pray for Joan, members of our congregation. We pray for Marie that would be here with us. We, we thank you for others that are traveling, Gary and Kathy, and we just pray that you would protect them as they travel and as they're gone to the south to be with their, their children and they will re be returning here shortly. We thank you for the gathering church that's going to be worshiping here shortly and sanctuary. We thank you for the tremendous growth that they've experienced and 
We thank you for their outreach, and we thank you for the reciprocal prayer support as we pray for them and they pray for us. And as they worship today and, and for blessing the many toys distribution in the last week or so that they distributed to the community. We pray, O oh Lord, that you truly bring the joy and the hope and the, the spirit of Jesus into this season. And Father, we just pray all this in your name as you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In our scripture reading for today, if, if you're viewing us by way of television or radio or other means of communication, Facebook or YouTube or get you, it's taken from Matthew chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. I'm going to be reading from the Living Bible. A number of years ago, I was given a number of Bibles by the Billy Graham organization. And I've gone through a number of these living Bibles. Yeah, they're not like the hard bone. They're the kind of soft bone. And here you find in, in the reading of the Word of God, according to Matthew chapter 2, a little bit about the Christmas story. And we're going to be sharing more as, as we get into the context of, of Scripture here. But reading now from Matthew chapter 2, and the language may be a little bit different. This is kind of a paraphrased version of Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. At about that time, some astrologers from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the far off and the eastern lands, and have come to worship him. And King Herod was deeply disturbed by that question, and all Jerusalem was filled with rumors. He called a meeting of the Jewish religious leaders. Did the prophets tell us where the Messiah would be born, he asked. Yes, in Bethlehem, they said. For this is what the prophet Micah wrote. O little town of Bethlehem, you are not just in unimportant Judean village. For a governor shall rise from you to rule my people, Israel. Then Herod sent a, a private message to the astrologers asking them to come to see him. At this meeting, he found out from them the exact time when they first saw the star. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him also. Now I'm going to ask Chris if she'd come and, and share. And I don't know, is, would Elsie like to come up here and join us? Elsie, would you like to come up here? Can I hold you? I didn't get my hug from you this morning. Can you feel comfortable coming up here and give me a big hug? What if I meet you halfway? I'll take two hugs later on, okay? Will you give me two hugs later on? Okay. Okay, I'm going to have my wife come, if you would come, Chris, and share. Fourth Sunday of Advent, and we're going to share from the upper room. There's a great story in here. Um, in the silence of my infant daughter's room, I finally understood Mary's pondering. In those precious moments after my daughter had fallen asleep in my arms, my thoughts f flitted from the long hours of labor to the moment my daughter was laid on my chest to her big brother holding her for the first time. I marveled at the miracle of giving birth and how fearfully and wonderfully made we truly are. I give thanks to God for allowing me to play a vital role in bringing this new life into the world. We can't know, of course, what Mary's thoughts were that holy night, we can only guess what this exhausted young woman pondered as the shepherds' voiced voices faded into the night. Being a new parent is overwhelming enough. 
Imagine what it felt like for Mary to know that her child, this sweet baby boy, swaddled in the manger, was born to save us all. Surely that was almost too much to bear. And so she pondered. She let the thoughts and emotions turn over and over in her heart as she gave thanks to God for inviting her to play the critical role in the salvation of the world. As we celebrate the incarnation, may our hearts also be filled with wonder and awe as we ponder the ways God is inviting us to bring the light and life of Christ into the world. Thank you, Chris. At this time, we'll have a word of prayer. Putting the upper room, there's a brief prayer, and I'll use that. God of love, bless our pondering this holy season. Fill us with the same hope and joy and peace and wonder Mary felt. May our thoughts always lead us to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I told you in the past, one of the Christmases, one of the first Christmases, and I, I think that's probably... What, 40-some years ago, Joy, when you received the Joy dolls from Iron Club? There's a Joy doll and there's a Hope doll, and each of them, Joy got the Joy doll, and Hope got the, oh, the Hope doll. And the, the service, the Joy, your doll went off, and it says, started singing, Joy to the World. Joy to the World. And Elsie, you feel kind of more comfortable you're only, how old are you now, Elsie? Two? You're two. And, I, you know, I can't remember standing up in front of people when I was two. So I understand, you know. And it sounds like maybe Teddy would be willing to come up. Is Teddy latched in, uh, harnessed down? Could I pick him up and bring him up here, Joy? Yeah. Is it all right that I bring Teddy up here, Elsie? I'll, I'll grab Teddy. I started my ministry at Birth at Wrightstown. Each of the small churches were small, but they all had children's services. And normally the Sunday before Christmas, we'd have the ch children's Christmas vacation, or Christmas program, children's. And, you know, it was always kind of a... A tremendous event because not only parents were proud of their children, but but the grandparents would come, and you know the church just increased by two or three times because relatives would come, and everybody would love to see the Christmas story reenacted by the little shepherds and the angels and the wise men. And I think we still have video of Joy. Could you? I think one year you were a little sheep and you had cotton on your head and other times, you know, our children participated in the nativity and the angel scene. So we all have memories, maybe growing up and being a part of Christmas programs and in the joy of the season and the hope of the season is really the expectation of Jesus. And as a child... And the significance of his birth would not be significant if it was not for his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Because of his resurrection, his birth is truly significant. The Lord Jesus was not very old when already people had divergent viewpoints about him. We like to capitalize on the, the peace and the joy and the hope but we know of the many Herods that live in the world that want to destroy the, the children, even destroy the faith of today. And there are, I would like to touch on three sets of values which have emerged over the years, values which are still employed today and forces that are at work to destroy our, our faith, as he says, to work us woe. Herod. Herod's reaction was one of hatred and hostility. Herod was the forerunner of the accusers of Jesus who wanted him dead. One historian called Herod a, a murderer, a murderous old man. That description was, was pinpointed very accurate. 
Early in Herod's life, Herod courted the Roman greats and Julius Caesar, Mark Anthony, and after Caesar's assassination and Anthony's suicide, he openly sought the blessings of Octavian, as we learn in history. And who is better known to us than Caesar? Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus. Herod kept the throne for 45 years. Early in his reign, he received the title Herod the Great. In some ways, he earned that name, Herod, Herod the Great. Herod kept the throne, as I mentioned, for 45 years. Herod probably was the only ruler of Palestine, and you hear a lot about Palestine in the times that we're living in, who successfully kept the peace for this long period of time. Herod was, was a magnificent, magnificent builder. I've led groups, groups um, in modern Israel still, and you can still marvel at Herod's expertise and his beautiful accomplishments, his plan for the fort at Masada, um, still ranks as one of the wonders, the wonders of the world. It needs to be said that he rebuilt the great temple, the great temple of Jerusalem. And whenever it, it helped the general, the general populace, he was always there to gain the favor of the common person, he even reduced taxes for a very tolerable, tolerable level of time. But Herod had a terrible flaw. And do you know what that flaw was in his character? Historians call Herod the Great, but jealousy drove him to insanity. Um, suspicion ruled his life. If Herod thought that someone had an eye on his throne, that person was writing his own obituary. Herod's jealousy caused him to murder his wife. One of his wives that he spoke so highly of murdered his wife, Marina. And then he not only went to kill his wife, but he killed his mother-in-law, her mother, Alexandra. Three of his sons lost their lives for the same reason. In the Roman Emperor Augustus, once complained that it was safer. It was much safer to be Herod's pig than his son or his children. Then Herod, we find in our scripture, heard the news of Jesus' birthday. There was birth. And Herod had no thoughts about a savior, a savior being born, or about a perfect lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. But Herod's first thought was his throne, his personal preservation of his life. And Herod was afraid that the Bethlehem baby would interfere with his lifestyle, would interfere with his empire and in his power. So Herod's first instinct was to destroy Jesus, destroy Jesus. And weeks to follow, we'll, we'll learn on his plots and his plans. But do you realize that the world, the world is still full of people who feel the same way about Christ? They use Jesus' name in vain. They want Jesus out of their way. They want to be free to do their own thing. Say it with me. Do their own thing. And no majestic Lord of the universe is going to alter and change that choice. A person who has decided to live their life the way they please. Live the life which they please is directly opposed to Jesus. A Christian is a person whose greatest pleasure is to do the will of who? God. Now the reaction of the scribes, secondly, the reaction of the scribes and the priests was one of indifference to Christ. And you can see the indifference in the world today and it's on an incre increase statisticians and sociologists and psychologists within and 
without the church talk about the decadence of our society. And during that time of Jesus first appearing as a child and a baby, they were, they were professionals. They were professional religionists. They were like the professional churchgoers or the law keepers, the scribes and the Pharisees of Jesus' day. Their religious life would go on right without Jesus Christ, and they wanted to go on with their churchianity rather than Christianity. He didn't make any difference to them at all. Their lives were taken up with this ritual and the legalities. They simply ignored Christ. Jesus Christ meant nothing, nothing to them. A person who is a fool, a person who is a fool who is consumed by small joys and hopes here and, and forfeits what God has planned for them for all eternity is certainly a fool. To forget about eternity and only consume one's time about time. Jesus came that you and I, from the pulpit to the pew, might enter into real life forever and ever. And down deep in your heart, Deep in your heart, you know that you were not created for only 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 years of life. No, no rational mind can honestly accept that as this, the reason for their being is just existence. Did God make us somehow to eke out just only three decades of life? He talks about three score and... 10, 70 years, and why a better management in life, maybe a few more years, and then all coming to be finished. No, God's plans is to give you and I what was lost, was lost in the Garden of Eden, eternal life. This morning at about 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, I normally listen to a gentleman, and, and his sermon title was, how Christmas occurred in the Garden of Eden. That God's plan of salvation began then. One day we will wake up and we will behold Jesus. We will behold Jesus. A few years ago, it just seems like yesterday, when, when I went under the knife and they split my rib cage and they opened my heart up and gave me a new mitral valve, the magnificent surgeons who have performed that heart surgery are really only limited in what they can do. They can give me and others, men and women, two or maybe three more years of life. Or, but there's no one that can give us the hope of eternal life except Jesus Christ. And there is no one only Jesus, by Jesus' spirit, will be the master of our life that can live in our homes, live in our marriages, live in our businesses. Oh, only Christ of God will live in our true hearts. And thank God there, there was this third group, this third group of people who reached the birth of Christ. And I, I trust that we hear and those who are listeners by way of television, radio, and YouTube, and other, other means of communication. I trust that you're a part of this third group of people who reacted and continue to react to the birth of Christ. The reaction of the wise men and women was, was adoring worship, was worship. Regardless of their dress and their clothes and their clothing of the, the shepherds and the wise men. They journeyed hundreds of miles for the sole privilege of just laying gifts, gifts at Jesus' feet. And behold, the star which they had seen in the rising led them on until it came and stood over the place where the little child, the little child was born. 
And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great, what? Joy. And when they came into the house, they, they saw the little child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down. And, and what did they do? They worshipped Jesus. And they opened their treasures and offered him gold, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Matthew chapter 2, 9 through 11. We are not told that they were three only in number. The figure three is probably due to the fact that they, they brought three gifts. Three gifts. Perhaps one from each of the wise persons. They, they had come a long, long distance to deliver their gifts. And probably from far away, Persia. And, and what, what gifts they were. They, they brought gold because... That is the gift. Gold is the gift for the king. The wise men must have understood full well that Christ would never take his earthly throne by force. He did not come to lead armies, yet Jesus was born to be the king of the kings, the ruling over one's hearts and over one's consciences. One never fully understands the majesty of Christ until one recognizes Jesus as a king. You and I will never meet Jesus on the basis of equality. We can only come in full and complete submission. Submission. I, like, I love the great, great story of Admiral Nelson. Admiral Nelson history teaches that Nelson always treated his vanquished enemies with respect and dignity. Following one of his great victories, Nelson brought the defeated admiral onto his ship. In the full remembered that Nelson had a reputation of courtesy, and he walked over to meet him with outstretched hand, and as if he were approaching him as an equal. However, he was stopped short when Admiral Nelson said, your sword first, and then your hand. Your sword first, and then your hand. You and I can be the closest of friends with Jesus Christ, but first we must submit to Jesus' totally authority, total authority of our lives. Remembering that Jesus is not only our Savior, but he's our Lord. Then they brought frankincense, the gift for a priest. One could smell the sweet fragrance of frankincense in the temple. Of sacrifice, a priest knew that aroma was so well that he went about his duties of building a bridge between us and God. The Latin word for priest is pontifex, which means bridge builder. You and I are called to be bridge builders once we come to Christ. You know what a bridge Christ has built to between our lowly, our, our sinful, sinful selves, estate, and God's righteousness and holiness. Before Jesus came, admission on God's presence was only to, to be chosen by the high priest, by the high priest. But Christ opened his way for everyone. Jesus gave his life and death made it possible for you and I and anyone who wishes to inherit eternal life to enjoy the riches of God's presence. Father, what a great fitting gift for Jesus. Frankincense for the great high priest. And as we realize the third gift was the gift of his prophetic nature, myrrh. Myrrh is a gift for one who is to die. It was used for embalming. And from the very nature of this gift, Mary, the mother of Jesus, may have known from the very first that Jesus had come to save and give his life for the sins of the world. As we bow in pray, prayer, many of us may have seen Hunt's famous painting of Jesus. Jesus is standing at the door of the carpenter's shop in his little hometown of Nazareth. 
Jesus is still a lad, and his arms and his legs have grown weary in his work at the bench. So Jesus stands in the doorway with his arms outstretched. The sun is shining brightly on Jesus, casting a shadow of a cross on the wall behind him. And there's a part of that painting that is so poignant in the, in the background is Mary. And Mary has seen the shadow of the cross, and, and the look on Mary's eyes indicates fully that Mary is aware of the coming death of her son. But that is, is why Jesus came. Jesus was the greatest of preachers, but he didn't come only to preach. His lofty ideals were above and beyond any philosopher's, but he didn't come to be an example alone. Jesus left Judea and Galilee with hundreds of people healed whom he'd healed, but this was not why he came. No, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost and to give his life for them as an atoning sacrifice on Calvary. The Christmas story is the beginning of the grand message completed at Easter, a message of salvation and victory. Herod chose to rebel against that salvation. Many today choose to rebel against that salvation that God has provided through Jesus. Herod set himself against the only begotten Son of God, and most of the great Buildings Herod constructed now lie forgotten in the dust and debris, and at best they are archaeological ruins. But Herod's soul, and we need to be concerned about our own souls, but Herod's soul is very much alive at this very moment, and it is far too late for Herod to change now. The priests and the scribes chose to ignore the birth of Jesus, you can ignore it by way of television or radio or YouTube or our presence here. We, from pulpits to pews, can ignore Jesus too if we wish. We can gather about the Christmas tree with our families and exchange our beautiful presents without ever thinking of the real meaning of this glorious season. But as we close, I, I challenge all not only to read the Christmas story, and especially from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, to our children, to thank God for his great love that sent Jesus to Bethlehem. Don't ignore Christ another year. Thank God that he has not ignored us. He gave us his very best. But the wise men chose to come to Christ at great inconvenience to them, at great risk at tremendous cost. But they could say to their friends for the rest of their lives that they had knelt. They had knelt at Jesus' feet. And in the long run, my friends, that's really the only accomplishment that will amount to anything in eternity. I urge you to come to Christ. Come to Christ in this Christmas week. Give Jesus your very best. Present Jesus your love and your adoration and live for Jesus with all of your heart and soul and mind and body. And would you pray with me, dear Jesus? We want to know what really counts. Urge us, O oh Lord, to give our lives our very best to present you, Jesus, with our love and our adoration. Forgive our sins, O oh Lord. Come into our hearts, our souls, our minds and bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we wait upon you for your tithes and your offerings, if you turn to our offertory prayer printed in our bulletins and let us pray this prayer together, if you'd be so kind. For the grace of God has appeared for the salvation of all people, training us to live godly lives in this world, awaiting our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity and to purify for himself all people of his own who are zealous for good deeds, 
O God, whose grace appeared in the coming of Jesus for the salvation of all people, may these gifts of ours today be true signs of our pure zero for good deeds. Amen. And our offertory hymn is, It Came Upon the Midnight Clear, Purple Hymnals, verses 1 and 4. 1 and 4, please. Now I pray that the grace and the peace and the love and the joy and the hope of the season would continue on in our hearts and our lives throughout this wondrous new year that Christ has given to us. Now, may you go in peace. Amen. Let us close with singing Silent Night, Holy Night, number 239, verses 1, 3, and 4.
first form. and serve the Lord. Merry Christmas. Amen. Merry Christmas. That's he right. is the reason. Amen. So Merry Christmas, brothers and sisters. Amen.